If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jodie Kidd shot to international fame as a model in her teens, and she's gone on to lead a really interesting, action-packed life. She is my guest on this week's In The Pink podcast with me, Natalie Pinkham, and she talks so honestly about the pressure of being famous so young, anxiety and how she's coped with it and how she really feels she's got on top of it in her elder years. She tells me about racing against Johnny Herbert, little and large, in the cockpit of a car and about her new passion, her pub, which she is running and loving every minute of it. I hope you love every minute of this podcast with Jodie Kidd. Hello, Pinkers. How are you? I'm really well. Well, do you know what, actually? I'm not going to lie, I'm really hot and sweaty. Yes, I know, because I've just seen what's happened. <laughs> so, so I just feel like I need to share this with the listeners, that actually mm. um, something went wrong with my kit, my podcast kit, and you know... Thank God it was you who was the guest, because you're the most laid-back person I know. Yeah, it is an hour and a half after when we were <laughs> supposed right, to right. start. Don't rub it in. I have basically been legging it around the streets of Guildford. Yeah, you have. Looking for somewhere that sells an SD card at half past seven at night. I know. And you found somewhere. Steve from the Vodafone shop in Guildford. Come Steve. on, Steve-o. Well done, Steve. You basically saved the podcast. I know. So thank you for that. So now we're, we're up and running. And let's get talking about you. Oh, gosh. Where do you start? Well, do you know what? I think that's the biggest problem with you, yeah. is if there was ever a problem with you. But it's impossible to pigeonhole. And we love to pigeonhole in life. I think people yeah. like to. I don't know why, actually. It doesn't yeah. seem right. But you can't really be squashed into a box. No. There's so much going on in your life. Um, I'm thinking model, mum, yeah. Yeah. petrol head, yeah. formidable equestrian. yes. You love a challenge. You love yeah. a, you're a thrill seeker, and that doesn't really fit the mould of what we expect from a, a catwalk model. No, no, and I can't say that there's many models that um, kind of gave up their career to, to go and sit, um, you know, on a starting grid, um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of looking around. I remember my first race in Monza, and I was looking around, and I was going. There was 26 other Maseratis. And I'm looking at the lights and I'm going, suddenly I have a real blonde moment where I'm going, oh my God, is it when one of the lights goes up? Is it when two? Is it when it goes is it go on? And this is my first proper race, which is at the... Fairness, you kind of expect lights to go on for something to stop, yes, not go off. Like they, they go kid. up, they go up and you're going... Wah, wah. Um, yeah, so I mean, that was, that was truly terrifying. First proper race was at the Ferrari finals when Shuey had just won the constructors and um, the individual and the drivers. 
and they um, it was the first time he had come back to Italy and was showcasing the car and the team and and I mean there must have been a quarter of a million people there and they My also had God. the 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 430 the Ferrari 430 or maybe it was the 360 challenge finals and the Maserati Trofeo and it was my first race in Monza like staring down to that kind of formidable formidable um you know first corner going oh my god what am I doing what am I doing what am I doing how old are you um 26 maybe I mean I literally just finished kind of catwalk career and um, and was still shooting and, you know, as in not shooting bang bang, but shooting photographic shoots. Yeah, so that was, it, it was certainly, I think, a lot of people were going, what on earth is going on? And, and your, your height obviously lends itself well to a career on the catwalk, but yeah. less so in the cockpit of a car. Yes, especially when your co-pilot is Johnny Herbert. Um, <laughs> this, was a, yeah, this was one of, not that race, but he was another one because we could, it was a pro amateur race, so you can have a professional, and obviously I was the amateur. Um, and, and Maserati said, oh, we've got Johnny Herbert that's coming, oh, and I love Johnny. I couldn't have found a nicer guy. But seriously, when they haven't got time, when you've got like 30 seconds to get out, the new, the new driver gets in. And there must be about two feet difference between the two of us. And so they can't I move mean, the I seats. I mean, I tower over Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. They can't move the seats. They can't do anything. So it's either me with my knees up so high. And because the steering wheel um, had the, uh, the paddle um, gear shifts. So every time I took my foot off the brake, I was moving all the accelerator. I was hitting and I was down changing <laughs> or up changing. So I was going, Johnny, this is not going to work. You've got to sit further back. Um, so Johnny was like basically had... put his Cuban heels on. I mean, Cuban heels <laughs> and had kind of like four pads behind his back. I mean, it was oh. like... Yeah. So, so yeah, six foot two doesn't really help. But do you know what? Johnny is just... I mean, just have a moment to consider Johnny Herbert. <laughs> he's just, just such a dream. Our hands and our hearts. He really, he really is. Moment. It takes a lifetime to get through the paddock with him because yeah. he will stop and talk to everyone. I yeah. mean everyone. And everyone loves him. They, lo- they all love him. And quite yeah. often I'll say to him, who was that? And you go, I have no idea. Yeah. But he's talked to them for 15 <laughs> minutes. It's like, he's just gorgeous. Bless him. Oh, um, dear. Cast your mind back to, to childhood, but before you were spotted, because I think yeah. you were spotted around the age of 15, is that about 14, right? 15, yeah. yeah. Right. But before that, um, tell me what memories you've got of your childhood. Was it a happy time? Was it, was it, it was crazy busy as your life is at the moment? It was, it was, uh, yeah, incredible. Very, very lucky. I was, um, you know, brought up in the countryside on a big farm. Um, my whole family were very horse orientated so my brother was a polo player my sister was dressage and this was all juniors my auntie was um you know one of the british team uh, dressage trainers my dad was on the polo and show jumping british team so horses 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 that's all we knew um so from a very early age that's all i wanted to be was to be an international i wanted to follow dad's footsteps be an international show jumper um, and go, eventually go to the Olympics. Um, that was my dream. I used to kind of sit there as a little girl in bed and draw the perfect kind of stable yards that I wanted and things like that. So that's that's all I knew. So 
it was, you know, it was hard grafting as in, um, you know, my parents were very much, if you're going to get a pony, you're going to have to pay for it, you're going to have to go to shows, you're going to have to win, um, you're going to have to, you know, so it made us really very competitive at a very early age, because they were like, if you want to enter to the next class, you've got to win the class before and get your £15 first prize, and then you can enter in the next, next, you know, the next class and things like that, so... It made us all very, very driven. Um, it made us very savvy, I suppose. And, and and all I wanted to do was breed horses. And so that was my life, was literally getting up at 5.30, 6 o'clock before I had to go to school, mucking out the horses, feeding them, and then going to school, running back. Sometimes I was actually picked up from school in the lorry, um, and then we would go straight off to a show. So that was just horses well it was ponies 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 and that's all I wanted to do that's amazing and then you have this huge change attack attack in the sailing sense of the term rather yeah. than the horsey one yeah. um, and, and, and you start modelling how did yeah. that happen what's your memories I mean was it a big shock for you it was something that I really had no aspirations of being a model at all um, and um, I was just going from ponies to horses so I was at 15 years old and um, I had to sell my um, my last pony, which was an amazing 13-2 pony called Scooby-Doo, and he was just about, we were kind of like jumping Christy Beaufort level, which is one of the highest levels that you could possibly do for, 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 for ponies. Um, and he was amazing, but I had to buy my first horse because you can't keep jumping ponies when you're 15. Um, so, um, so what I used to do with the, with the ponies was I used to get one that was a bit tricky, uh, used to stop a bit, and then I used to train it up, get it really going well, and then used to sell it and sell it as a profit. Oh, so that was how quite we the little businesswoman. Very much so. I like it. So um, I bought my first horse that was a four-year-old. Remember his name, Glenn. <laughs> I had Boat, Scooby, Glenn. I mean, I had lots of them. Really, Glenn. really. Glenn. Yeah. Um, so what I wanted to do was bring him up through the levels and then sell him and hopefully make a nice profit. Um, so, yeah, so got got Glenn, and um, and um, I needed to buy, because I only had a pony uh, lorry that's much smaller, much narrower, and Glenn, when I started taking him to the, to the, to the shows, was rubbing his tail on the back, because it, it was too short, it was too small. So I had to buy a bigger, bigger horse box. Um, and uh, obviously didn't have the money for that. And someone said, you know, we should try modelling. And so this was where it all kind of came from. So I thought, well, I'll give it six months. I'll do, you know, a couple of jobs, get the lorry, go back, and then carry on with my, my equestrian career. Really? So that was a means to an end? You just yeah, wanted yeah. to serve the purpose just of sit, And I was, I was travelling up from our house. We lived in Gloucestershire. And I was getting on the, on the, on the train, going into London, and yeah, it was it was a very bizarre thing because it happened so quickly. I mean, for the moment, I remember walking into IMG, um, and they had to do like a test shoot in front of everyone. And because I think you know, when you're surrounded by horses, you've got to be very, you know, you can't be timid. A horse can really feel who you are through the reins. You've got to, you know, you've got to be strong. You've got to be, you've got to be, you know, driven. And and if you want a horse to face five foot fence you've got to really push and you've got to want it and they some people say it's like throwing your heart over and the horse comes after you so you've uh, so 
I remember walking into the agency and I had no fears, no worries, and they just said, can you take a few pictures? And I was like, yeah, in front of everyone. I was like, yeah, here we go, here we go. And I think within three months, I was opening Marc Jacobs in New York, kind of going, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened so quickly. I mean, that is incredible, actually. The skills that you learn with the horses, as yeah. you stood you in great stead to then walk the catwalk. Because I can't imagine many 14, 15-year-olds being able to do that. No. And I was always very... I think because I'm the youngest of five as well, that very... that. You know, I see some young girls nowadays that, that are modelling that are very immature, that are not ready for it. And I, I think I really wish that parents or agencies wouldn't put them into this position. You've got to be ready to, to, to be thrust into a very adult world. Mm. Um, and I think because I was the youngest and because I'd been very disciplined with looking after an animal, you have to feed it, you have to water it, you have to do all these things, or it's probably going to die. Um, you know, so so very, very disciplined at a young age. Um, so I could kind of handle it. And I was, I think, slightly more advanced than my years. But certainly I think 15 now is too young for most girls mm. to start modelling. Because it's very adult. It is an adult world. You were under an enormous amount of pressure pretty quickly, though. I mean, mm. just from my own memory, there was a lot of attention on you about... Of being too thin. Weight, yeah. And, and, and the, the, the whole question of weight with models yeah. really kind of um, came into everyone's focus and it was a, a moot point really whether girls this young. You were the embodiment of that, but you weren't the yeah. reason behind it. But yeah, you were the one that everybody was looking at and talking about. Yeah, that very much so. It was incredibly hard to deal with. It was, um, yeah, it, it kind of led on to a huge number of other things and anxieties and, you know, not depressions, but certainly made me very, very low because I was very used to kind of, if you put 150% into something, you, you get it back out. And mm. that's what you have in the animal kind of world. Um, and with modelling, everything was kind of taken away from me. And, and I very much, because the moment I came in, it was after the beautiful supermodels and the Cindy Crawfords and these wonderful kind of voluptuous kind of look and um, Claudia Schieffer's. And, you know, it was like big-breasted and gorgeous. Well, it was big-breasted as you get in the modelling world. <laughs> and then it went very wave. So it was Kate and myself, and you know there was a whole kind of Stella Tennant, a whole kind of like troop of us, um, and I was very much the one that was um, kind of targeted along with Kate, um, and yeah, it was very tough. But he, I, I was always very tall, very gangly, six foot two, but I always had muscle. I was all strong. I was riding horses. I was show jumping literally all day, nonstop, um, and then suddenly I didn't. I wasn't in that world anymore I didn't go to the gym I didn't do anything I was just in Tokyo one day I was in New York the next day I was in you know just flying around the world lost a lot of my muscle mass um, and just became a very gangly kind of teenage 16 year old girl that then got kind of put on this this huge limelight which was I remember I didn't because I was traveling so much and it was only the UK press that were being really vicious um, it wasn't until I, I remember flying back home and I was in literally for a turnaround, 24 hours, and then I was back out again. And I switched on the television and I remember seeing Kilroy. I'm Kilroy, mm. the days of Kilroy. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember going, God, I recognise that person. It was a photographer that I worked with. And then I was like, oh, there's a stylist. And then they had a picture of me and the whole show was kind of on me being a bad, you know, kind of role model. And uh, But... Um, 
that was a very kind of shocking moment where you go, blooming heck, what is going on? Because I'd never worked as much as I was working when I was super skinny. That's how they wanted you at the time. Mm. Um, I was doing a lot of couture shows, and couture, they say you've just got to be like a, like a hanger. So from your collarbones all the way down to your shoulders, you know, if you've got all that bone kind of structure there, then you show the clothes off the best. So that's why you have to be for couture, super, super, super skinny. Um, so were they putting you under pressure to lose weight at the same no, time? No, never, just ever, 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 ever. But naturally was it was just told. happening to you, so they didn't have to. Exactly. Right. I was always very, very tall and, and lost my muscle mass and then got really skinny and then a number of other things happened through. I got glandular fever... Then I started That's suffering from snogging, from, isn't it? That was that was snogging. All those boys <laughs> backstage. <laughs> I remember getting glandular fever at school, and yeah. my parents like having telling me, "Oh, how old are you?" A minute, yeah. I feel really rubbish, and now I'm getting told as well. They went, "Well, you've obviously kissed someone you shouldn't." <laughs> <laughs> it was always known as the kissing. Disease, it was the it? kissing one. Um, yes. No, I can't say I can't kiss who I probably <laughs> did. Um, and then yeah, and then I got really bad anxiety. I think through the pressures of... of You're still so the, young, for God's sake. Yeah, I was, I was 17, 18 when I started getting anxiety. And then, because I was in this constant... Uh, no one knew what it was at that time. So I went to my doctor, I went, I can't sleep very well, I'm, I'm kind of feel like my heart's about to jump out my chest, I'm getting sweaty part, I've got to get out of that wherever I am. I remember walking down a catwalk halfway, got a massive panic attack, turned around and ran off literally out of the show and the designers were going oh my god where's she going What's oh it? my god left and this was like 17 years old no one knew what anxiety was so I thought he, I was put on beta blockers which no. obviously were not the best thing to put oh someone on anxiety yeah. so all of these things and then because I just didn't have an appetite when if you've ever been anxious and I'm sure maybe there's someone listening that might have I mean had anxiety and it's a really awful awful place to be where your fight or flight mm. is kicked in so you're constantly you a huge amounts of adrenaline are going through your body so you the last thing you want to do is sit down and have a nice meal so I was constantly like this for six months so I dramatically lost a lot of weight through that without really understanding I mean I thought I was going to die I mean I you know now I can see what it is and I try to help people with it um, and yeah, so that was that was also kind of really terrifying thing. Hence why I gave up in my early twenties. I went, do you know what? Life, is, this is not life. Really? So you gave up modelling because of the anxiety? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. I decided never after the one experience of having to turn around and and walking straight oh. off the catwalk. And then I did a couple more shows, and then I went, you know what, I never want to walk down another catwalk again because everyone was staring at me. Everyone, and because I was getting so much shit at home yeah. um, and it's just was too much and I just said I don't, I, I'd rather just go home and grow vegetables and make chutney than, than you know live this unbelievable world where you're getting tens of thousands of dollars like life at that moment was just that money was not, not where I wanted to be at all it's crazy isn't it because you were so high profile at such a young age and mm. earning a huge amount of money mm. which you know most teenagers would to give the right arm for, but as yeah, you say, nothing's worth your sanity. No, exactly. It? And that was at the point where I just went, that's it. Moved out of London, went to Wiltshire, 
got a lovely house here, started growing vegetables, and that's how I got back into horses again. Wow. Then, but do you, how, how were your parents kind of responding to this at the time? Were you talking to them about it? Was it hard to... No, I think it was because at 16 I was being, I was obviously being paid huge amounts of money. I was being travelled to Concord, left, right and centre. You know, you become very cocky. And so, you know, I didn't have any time for anyone or speak to anyone. And then obviously they were very concerned about what was going on with the press and my weight. And, but I just didn't need anyone at that time. You know, you're just, just 16 and you just have no idea. So I didn't, I didn't really, you know, phone my parents. So I wasn't, I should have, I should have used them more, but I didn't. I was being so strong-willed and typical me. Which is what we um, love about you. Don't get changing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really use them like mm. I should have, like them, like I'm now a mum. God, if Indy was going through that, I would be mm. right there beside him every single step but I like, wouldn't allow them back off chill yeah, out let me get oh, <laughs> give for me God's kisses sake. <laughs> um, yeah I think I was I think I was really tough on my parents because I think they wanted to help but I was just like I don't need anybody yeah. um, but you, you had a chaperone at the time didn't you you had Jonathan, I had your... yeah Jonathan who was yeah. amazing who was and that was why you know I was so lucky with my modeling career as, as in you know I was really incredibly well looked after Jonathan who's my agent um, yeah traveled everywhere with me because mm. I think he also saw the vulnerability in me mm. um, and um, and I you know was being wild and being you know as every 16 17 18 year old young girl is going to do but I had you know the world at my feet so mm. yeah he very much said right I, th I need to make sure you're okay and like, travel with you mm. which is amazing he wasn't much older than you at the time though was he Jono I, I think good to work maybe 10 years oh okay okay so significantly oh. <laughs> but, even, but even still only in mid-20s yeah I yeah, mean we had we had years. we had fun yeah. We did have fun. <laughs> and, of course, he was involved in that awful Marshness disaster, wasn't yes, he? Yes, he was. So yeah, that he'd was before... seen huge vulnerability yeah. in himself and a lot of the people that were with Absolutely. him on the night. So he'd come through all of that. Then terrible, terrible, you. terrible, terrible experience. And, you know, he'll never, ever get over that. But he's, he was, I was very, very lucky to have him. Were you, but you weren't. Were you with him at the time when that happened? No, so no, was that was before. before yeah, that was before I even started modelling. Right. Um, so so before I knew him, when he was a very young, young yeah. booker at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I only terrible. mention that because I've talked many times about it with the Delalio family. Yes, and of course. And Eileen, uh, who's yeah. since passed, but she used to tell me a lot about her daughter. Who, yeah, who was on the boat. Horrific. And horrific it was, story. The story was a. It was a tragic. Um, event on the Thames where yeah. where a big boat crashed into mm. to a party on a smaller boat and, and a lot of young models like yourself. It was a model as... model agency yeah. party yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, yes. It sounded like he then actually put his life to great use in, in being very nurturing and looking after people like Very you. much so. And he was he's one of the best bookers, agents, you know, that that, that was ever around. Mm. Every girl that he, he looked after, he looked after brilliantly. Mm. Um, I think I gave him a few grey hairs, though. <laughs> can't imagine it for a second. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so then you, you come back home and you get back to your roots, if you like. Yeah. 
get back. I had to get back on a horse because I was suffering really badly from anxiety. I didn't want to leave. I remember sitting in bed, and so my French agency was like, Jody, if you don't want to do anything, just come back because I was on an exclusive contract with Chanel at the time. Wow. Um, where I wasn't really allowed to work for any other designers, but Karl Lagerfeld and Chanel. And they said, you have to come to Paris and you have to open Chanel. And da da da. And I, I couldn't leave the house could not leave the house and they couldn't understand because I wasn't dying yeah, with I mean, flu or whatever right. um, they couldn't understand they couldn't see the outward signs I mean we talk yeah. so much more thankfully yeah. yeah thank god we talk so much more about it now but yeah. back then I can imagine it just wasn't talked no. about was it no anxiety or depression or I had no idea so yeah that was and in their that minds I terrible... guess they were thinking my She's god mad. this is every girl's yeah. dream I what mean, is she couldn't... doing you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've had moments where they've, 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 the agency would send doctors around your house to, to give you an injection of something to make sure you get out the house. Um, it's um, yeah. It was it was a really really tough time and a very kind of dark place. And anyone that gets anxiety when you get stuck into this thing is very dark. And I just couldn't leave that. I could not. Imagine going to Heathrow, getting on a flight, going to Paris, being alone in a hotel room, having then, you know, the world's press looking at you, walking down, opening Chanel. To me, it was just like, I can't do it. And so, and so I had to pull out of the show. And that, unfortunately, was basically my career as a model because once you piss off um, the, the god, and he is a, an amazing man, and I adore him to this day, Karl Lagerfeld, um, you know, that kind of really jeopardizes your career mm. so um i kind of said right well that's it i've got to now go on to something Bloody else hell, I mean, that is a yeah that's a big moment for anyone at any yeah. stage in their life let alone you in your early 20s yeah um yeah one question i do ask all my guests on this podcast is what advice you'd give to your younger self Ooh. i mean is there anything now with that that benefit i mean mindset? it would be nice to go back to say in those moments where you're literally walking around Tesco's or Waitrose or whatever and you've got a full trolley and you suddenly go <gasps> and you get a panic attack and you think you're going to die and you've got to you just dump the trolley and you've got to run out of it just to say that it's okay that you're not going to die and everything's going to be all right and I would love to have had that calmness at that moment so that would be something I mean I never regret anything I never you know all those do I turn left do I turn right moments in my life never regretted any of them because they've made me who I am today so I would never go back and say you shouldn't have done that job you should have done this or whatever it would have been nice just to have said it's going to be okay you're, you're, this is alright it's okay this is what's happening to your body this is why you're feeling like this and it's going to be okay because at that time as I said no one knew and so I felt very alone I guess that it's so impossible to penetrate that mindset though in that in the heat of the moment, mm. especially when you've got anxiety and something like that, you you that you you can't. So could you could you preempt it? I mean, could you say to anyone listening now, yeah. if you're if you know you're prone to suffering from it, yeah, there's various triggers that you can very much so, um, and it's something that I now don't hardly get touch wood um, at all because once your body is used to re- releasing the the adrenal gland. It then makes more and more and more, and then you get stuck into this thing where it happens blooming all the time. So once I started understanding in my brain 
when I started getting sweaty palms, when you can feel the whole room coming in on your head and you're just like, ah, um, that I can almost talk myself out of it and go, no. this is okay. Because it's literally like if someone ran in here with a gun now, your adrenal glands will go into this and you'll either be run or you'll be run or attack. Yeah. yeah. That's where you're living that whole time wow. in that terror kind of moment. Um, so if you can then say, right, this is what's going to happen, don't worry, and you can just change your mindset, it's a very important thing. So if we're sitting here and I was to have one, I'd have to get up and walk around and do something, which of course is not very um, you know, good for the career when you're sitting doing Jonathan Ross in front of you know, 10 million people on a Saturday night, um, where you go, excuse me, I'm gonna, I have to go for a walk, and you're like... <gasps> um, but luckily it never happened on, on too big a TV shows, but... Changing well, the mindset. The a massive deal, though. Yeah, I mean. well, I've, yeah, well, you know what happened there. Or breathing, controlling your breathing right. is really important. Right. And, um, and a very good friend of mine um, called Charles Linden, um, who has written many books on the, on the matter, has really, really helped me. So mm. he's, he's, a, he's a good guy. So Sounds like you've done quite a lot of self-therapy as well. Though. A huge amount. Mm. I mean, I've been to Tibet, to top of mountains, to crystal healing to shamans to yeah everything because it's such an awful place to be mm. you go and you know nothing medically can really help you because mm. I certainly wasn't going on pills or anything like that mm. it's um it's something where you have to really explore the body your mind who you are so yeah I spent a huge amount of my latter years of my 20 you know 25 to 30 odd um kind of doing things, getting at peace, kind of understanding mm. your own inside and, and the way we work. And I guess it is such a personal thing as well. Mm. So there, is, there can't be a kind of one-size-fits-all remedy to this, which is mm. why you have to go and work exactly. out. There isn't a formula. No. Um, and, and Charles is really good at saying that and finding that out. And, you know, he just, first of all, puts your mind at ease and just goes, it's okay panic you're mm. not alone mm. and then you can kind of find out the little things that help you so back flower remedies amazing couldn't couldn't leave the house without them you know well, rescue yeah rescue remedy. Your tongue. Yeah. yeah couldn't leave the house without them crystals i still walk around with a crystal in my bag so if you got really bad where is it um just delving around yeah. in her bag then you would just oh, then you just that? i think this is hemia it's smoky quartz with hematite. So it looks so like a sort of smooth, um, you know, like pebble, pebble that you can skim, yeah. you know, skimming stones with. And in, that's, in water. you just sit, rub that. That helps. Oh, so it's it's these weird things, but they are not they weird help. if it works for you. Yeah, it's it, not weird. It really it? helps. So yeah, and a glass of wine with friends. And a glass of wine, <laughs> which I have to say, we're sitting in this in this gorgeous surroundings yeah, here. The Ivy in Guildford. Big yeah. thanks to them for hosting us yes, this evening. I know, just opened. What a perfect evening it is. I mean, it's been pretty miserable, but yeah, been the sun is going down, day. and we've got a glass of wine, and know, this is and rather wonderful. Chin wag. It feels like therapy for me as well. <laughs> I'll say that much. Um, were, you, were you able to talk to anyone else close to you? I know you said that you didn't feel like you could really burn your parents with it, and also yeah. I guess you're travelling so much, you're not there in front, and they can't look in the whites of your eyes and understand what's happening. What about, what about your siblings? Because you do seem very close. Very, Gem, to Gemma particularly. Yeah, Gem had uh, had anxiety as well. So okay. Gem and I had this amazing... And she was the one that really saved my ass. I mean, she was amazing. She put me onto Charles Linden. She was the one that, you know, 
helped me in every way. She was just incredible. So without Jem, and Jem went through it five years before I did, so you know that must have been terrifying for her to, to actually find all these people but having to do it on her own mm. but she did it and and um, and so therefore she was my kind of rock she was unbelievable is, is there anything in the genes that leads you sort of predisposed to it? don't is think so no I think it was it's just it's it's I, I mean it's definitely not a hereditary thing mm. it's something that there's just triggers I mean you can be exposed to certain things you can I guess you exposed to so much more than the average teenager absolutely and I think all of us as as children growing up you know our our parents had to move abroad when we were both quite young Mm. we all went to boarding school there's a number of things that you can say oh I can blame this but who knows I haven't almost I haven't got back to that point I don't think there is a point where you go where I'm sure there are a lot of people in life can say yeah that was my trigger point Mm. whereas I don't have that. I think it's just a combination of things, of pressure, of being in the public eye, of, of um, you know, a n- number of things. I haven't quite got there yet, mm. but it, I don't think it is definitely not hereditary. Well, as you say, you travelled a huge amount. One place that you certainly call a second home is Barbados. Yeah. Just tell us about your, your childhood growing up, spending huge amounts of time yeah. out there. Yeah, so um, my parents, uh, when I said, had to move away when I was nine, and we were all at boarding school back in the UK, and that was because Dad was working in the US, and so um, my grandmother went over in the 50s to Barbados because she had very bad lungs, and so the doctor said, you need to get to somewhere hot, um, and it, for the, especially for the winter times, um, and this will help with your breathing and whatever. So, off she went on a plane. I think it took three days. They had to kind of like, kind of stop all through Greenland and then pop down all through the kind of eastern, um, you know, USA and then down through the Caribbean and found Barbados. Um, and so she bought um, bought a house there, and lovely holders. Um, and it's been in our family ever since. So, um, yeah, I've just been going there since since I was born. I think. And I is it going to stay in your family? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Of course. I mean, it's it's always been for sale. If someone turns around and says, "Yeah, we'll give you twenty million for whatever," done. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, the check right now. Five what million, a mug. Whatever it is. <laughs> <Take it>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but by no, the it's, the, next door. it's the family house. So no, oh, you can't ever let that go. No, it's and it's it's really lovely, and it's my grandmother's legacy, and mm. and you know, and so much has gone on there. So much love and passion, and you know, and my mum now runs it as a bed and breakfast, and so you know, all the hard work and the sweat and tears of keeping this beautiful kind of plantation house going is is you know, it would be such a shame to to sell it, but. Yeah. but I don't think you will. I think also really strikes me about your family. You've got this amazing ability to bring people together. A real eclectic yeah. mix of people. Like, Very. Yeah. And you seem to be so adept at actually reaching out to people from all different backgrounds and yeah. walks of life. Yeah. And and finding some sort of common ground with them. Yeah. And throwing a great party or hosting <laughs> a, that. Host, like, <laughs> making a big curry for everyone or yeah. a barbecue or whatever it is. Yeah. And that is that's quite magical really. We're very and just gives you that opportunity, doesn't it? Gives you that springboard to very do that. much. It, we're a very kind of warm and loving and welcoming family. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. You're, you've always got a bed. You'll always have food in your belly. We'll always do everything we can to, to help anything in any situation. So um, and you know, thanks to my parents that have brought me up. 
like mm. that and and my mum and my dad are very much like that and my grandparents you know it's it's very much um an ongoing thing and i hope india is or we'll get a good swipe around the year <laughs> I'm sure when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um, but you learn from it by example, don't you? You said, yeah, see, totally. Um, and my parents have always had an open door policy. I mean, yeah. I would just remember it always been like the dining room. Yeah, it's yeah. long tables in the yeah, garden. Yeah, exactly. And, like, and you'd be like, who's the bloke three down? I have no idea. Yeah. Some bloke dad's just bought back. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Used to, my dad used to bring back homeless people all the time at Christmas. Because he said, I don't believe anyone should be alone at Christmas. Christmas but yeah. it could, no one should be alone any time of year, but particularly at Christmas. And my Lesson. dad used to gather people up, and he still does it occasionally. And we had one guy, Tom, who my dad brought back, and um, he basically became part of our family for 20 years. <laughs> Everyone contributed bits to his wardrobe. Someone helped him find a flat. And Someone he was helped him get a he job. Was, he was off the street. Yeah. And, oh, God, and my, I love my, it. My sort of extended family sort of all quite like this idea and chipped in and yep. Tom became part of our family Incredible. Um, for a good 20 years until he died oh. I mean probably my, my favourite moment though of all time was that I was walking through Northampton where my parents um, are from although they've, they've just moved out of Northampton which is a strange experience for me mm. but, and I saw a bloke wearing this god awful jumper and he was playing the accordion on the street and I said look I'm really sorry to ask but where did you get that jumper from because I've seen that jumper before and he said, oh, this lovely man, John Pinkham, gave me It's your dad. My dad. Which is your jumper. given him. No, it was my dad's jumper. We all hated this <laughs> awful jumper. It was like, I can't even describe it. It was hideous. It was a proper <laughs> 1980s number. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and dad had given it with real pride to this guy who was playing oh his place on the street corner. And I didn't want to, you know, shatter it, but I was like, and of course, this was before selfies on mobile phones, so I yeah, couldn't yeah. prove to my brother what I'd just seen. But amazing. Uh, but yeah, your family just seems exactly the same in that respect. But very much. Although so. I'm sure people would rather go to Holders and Barbados than <laughs> our place <laughs> in Northampton. Not Northampton. But, yeah. No, definitely we're the same. At Christmas, I have all the waves and strays, and everyone that's not, you know, that I'm like, come on, I get them all into Southland. And but you still do it now. I mean, like, yeah, you do have a real flair for hospitality. You've opened a pub. I have. Bought Tell my me local about pub. that. 
Um, basically, it's um, I live in West Sussex, and um, my local pub was being sold, was closed down, and was being sold. And developers wanted to buy it and turn it into houses. And unfortunately, I've seen this happen to so many little villages. Um, and the thing is about a pub is it's so important for the community. Mm. And um, and you know it's not like you can say, oh, I'm just going to walk along the high street and go and have a beer with my friends and you know, go and go to the cinema or go, when you're in the middle of nowhere, the pub is the most important thing for especially people that might be living alone or farmers or, and it's such an amazing kind of download for everyone to come in after their hard day working on the field or, you know, on a roof or whatever and just have a little, not a bitch in a moan, but a little download mm. and a couple of beers and then they go home and cook dinner and watch EastEnders or whatever. Um, it's such an important thing for, for, for a village, for a community. And and it's becoming so difficult to, to keep cub, cubs, pubs, um, that um, they're all being sold. Mm. And so I thought this was, it's, I'm not going to allow that. So basically I got together with two mates of mine that I know from, from the, the Love Cars, and they were en route to Goodwood. And we stopped off at Chris Evans's pub, the Mulberry. Um, and they were going, oh, and they said, oh, do you know what? We would love to own a pub. And I went, well, that's funny. There's one. My, my local one's just up the road. And they said, go on, let's have a look at it. I so love it. drove them up there. And it is, I mean, it honestly is one of the most picturesque, beautiful pubs. I mean, it is just idyllic and in the most gorgeous kind of high street. And and it's a grade two listed, beautiful building, you know, with all the wooden beams and a big Inglenook fireplace. And they just fell in love with it. And I've fallen in love with it. Yeah, seen it yeah. And they said, right, let's do it. And then we all looked at each other and we went, right, well, does anyone know, uh, you know, how to run a pub? <laughs> and I was like, like going, I know how to drink in one. I know how to drink, exactly. Um, I wouldn't even know how to order a keg or what, what are we going to do so anyway so I managed to bring in friends of mine that own another pub that's very local and I said right we're going to do this but we need your major help so that was about a year ago and then uh, we did about six months it's been a bit over you know six months of refurb because I very much through um, doing MasterChef I wanted to make food very important and I also want to support local producers, local suppliers. Um, the first thing I did because of my whole childhood growing veg and being around fresh produce and going out with Indy and going, right, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? And literally dig up the carrots, dig up the potatoes, go and k- cook them, and that's dinner. Um, and so I wanted to relay this. So we laid big veggie patches and herb gardens. And so the whole kind of food thing is really important for me so that's the kind of driving side so got a brand new kitchen the boys were just like oh my god kiddo do we really need to be spending 30 grand on a new oven I'm like please (laughs) so they're kind of going oh no anyway so um so yeah so so it's it's up and running we've been operational for about nine eight nine months now um and it's going really well so tell everyone its name and where it's, you can find it. Yeah, it's the Half Moon in Curdford, which is just uh, in West Sussex, so it's just outside of kind of Petworth. Um, That's a gorgeous part of the world. Beautiful. If anyone's en route to Goodwood, it's an amazing place to stop off. 
Um, and yeah, we always have lovely kind of classic car rallies going through, and we have the supercar club that comes through, has lunch, and then they go off into the downs, and then they come back again. Um, yeah, so it's really cool. And then I do every month a curry night and a quiz of night. Of course. <laughs> Oh my god, I love uh, a quiz night. Yes, a proper, it's getting very serious now. My problem is though, my phone a friend was always my grandpa, oh. and he's died now. And I'm oh, like, no. he's like my ultimate phone friend. He knew everything about everything. everything. Yeah. And I don't think I necessarily had the right to phone a friend. I think I'm, that might yeah. have been considered cheating. No, but phones are banned. <laughs> oh right, okay. yes. Okay. Grandpa would have had to have come. Damn it, damn it. <laughs> oh, um, Grandpa, if you're up there listening, please yeah, um, <laughs> send me a message. <laughs> He's, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I love a quiz night. Yeah, rubbish at them, but good I love quiz night. And then, right. uh, and then what else do we do? We, we, and then we got asked by Tom Kerridge, who's an amazing chef, um, Michelin star, yeah. incredible chef, to, to be part of his pub in the park. So I'm going along to do cookery demonstrations in front of 5,000 people. Hey, that's the strong of the, the best you now. chefs in the world. Chef. Come on. <laughs> no. But you, you actually know, you're, you're bloody good on that. Well, I did all right. Got yeah. to the final. I know. Well, it was all right. But that, I think that's kind of, that's, you know, I'm, I'm in the kitchen a lot. I yeah. love learning about food. And we're really lucky to have some amazing chefs working for us. So, so, so what's your signature dish? Would it be a curry, do you think? No, no. I mean, we're quite, we're quite fancy, oh. you know. So there'll be kind of gin and tonic cured trout and kind of like lovely emulsions and dill emulsions and this. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, we wow. really... Really go for it. Look at you. Um, yeah, so it's it's um, it's lovely, and I'm loving it. And especially if the weather's nice, then um, yeah. makes it even better. And it's a bit of a family affair, isn't it? Because your mum yeah. says she does the garden. The garden. Yeah, she's actually back tomorrow. She's been um, she's been with her brother Jack in Spain for two weeks, so everything's basically died. Um, <laughs> she needs to come back and revive all the plants. So no, we're we're out in the garden working on on all the veg. So I think we probably produce maybe twenty. Hopefully, push it up to maybe thirty percent of what we what we cook. That's amazing. So you'll see the chefs run out, pick up all the stuff, run back in. Yeah, so it's exactly it's, how it should be, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Do you think you get to a point in your life where you start to like gardening? Because I'm still yeah. waiting for that to no, happen. I, I, I'm there. I'm very much there. Oh, you see, it hasn't happened to me yet. My mum's a real green fingers, and she actually yeah, it's there. Has a really stressful job, you know, uh, working as a barrister. But she'll come back whatever time of day or night from. From court, and she would get her fingers in the soil and start. Yeah. And that, that is her therapy. It's something so exactly therapeutic about it. And now I sit down and I'm watching Gardener's World. No, you're not. I swear. My, just... Over Top Gear? No. Okay, good. No, no. no. Just... That's going too far. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if Monty's on, <laughs> I'm paying attention. <laughs> Delighted, I'm sure, to hear that. Um, tell us about these challenges as well, because. Mm, gosh, um, yeah. You do throw yourself into some unbelievable things. And, you know, what's impressive is that obviously there's, you know, a motivation there for you to do them, and a, you know, yeah. a personal drive and a personal sense of achievement when you have done it. Yeah. But there's also a huge drive in you to, to fundraise, yeah. particularly for um, ex-service men and women. Yeah. Uh, where did that affiliation start? Where did you sort of um, empathy, if you like, because it's it's something you do feel really passionate about, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I've always been um, doing things because of obviously a public figure. So I've always helped with, um, you know, um, fashion and breakthrough breast cancer um, charities or you know anything that's been entwined in the fashion world. And then when I came out of it. Um, 
of the fashion world, I decided that, you know, I was, I've been very, very lucky in my life. And I think this has come from a lot of kind of soul searching about the anxiety and everything else that, that, you know, I'm very, very thankful. So every day, you know, I do my thanks and, you know, for my family and for my life and everything. And so I was like, I'm in a position where I can, I can help and I can give back. And so, um, a number of years ago, a good friend of mine, um, was, um, was a Royal Marine um, and then went on to be in the SBS and was um, and was shot in Afghanistan um, in the in the spinal cord in the C1 and the C2 and is um, is a quadriplegic and on a ventilator and and seeing you know and he's just such an incredible inspiration um, you know to be struck down so early in life and to be so incredible and and his mindset and how fantastic he is I was like right I'm gonna start fundraising and trying to so the first thing we were trying to do is get some things for him he needed to get um into a house that obviously had all the kit that that could help him um so I started um raising money for Help for Heroes that were very instrumental in, in helping him get his house. Um, and so I decided to do these set of challenges called Challenge Kiddo, um, where I wanted to raise um, £100,000 for, for, for them to, to, help, um, to help, you know, amazing service personnel that have um, and another thing I really wanted to push was the mind aspect so <clears throat> so I started raising money for um, you know the guys or girls that were suffering from anxiety or depression um, who'd been and in services who'd been in services yeah. That, yeah. that obviously had put their lives on you know risk their lives for us and then have come back with some, some scars and, and it's very very difficult if you're within that world to to be weak and to have a mental illness is is something that's you know is kind of frowned upon mm. and so um after myself going through um anxiety problems i knew how it shouldn't be dissed it shouldn't be mm. looked down upon it should just be a but you know this has happened and this is what i've got and i'm dealing with it and mm. you know and um, I guess in your role as well, you always had to project a very confident, positive sense of yeah. self, even if on the inside you're crumbling. Yeah. And it's the same for these guys, particularly exactly. PTSD, you know, they've, they've, yeah. they've come through a major trauma. Yeah. As you say, the, 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 the pressure to put on a brave front, a stiff upper lip mm. and all the rest of it mm. is immense. Unbelievable. And so that's why, you know, so many of the guys and girls were suffering in silence. And so I just wanted to help through Help for Heroes kind of make a, um, like an outlet for, the, for them to go mm. where they could telephone and there would be someone there, there could be someone they could download or someone to point them in the right direction to go, it's okay, like how I wanted to tell myself, um, you know, when I was a teenager to say, it is okay and, and it's all right to say, put your hands up and go, do you know what, I've got this and it's really freaking shit. Mm. Um, but have someone to turn around and go, do you know what, I've got it too. Or someone else say, do you know it's okay? I've had mm. it. Or you can. There is there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. It's so. quite amazing, isn't it? It just takes one person to put their hand up and say, yeah. Do you know what? This is really frightening, and it's not. Yeah. It's it, you know, it's okay to admit that. Yeah. Because we're all scared. Yeah. You know, everyone's facing their own battles in some way, shape, or form. Exactly. But it does take role models and people in you know public positions. I think 
to stand up and say, you know, we're all affected by this. Yeah, and that's hopefully what I've done on mm. a very small scale. But mm. but you know, it, if it's one person that listens to this that goes, mm. do you know what? I'm going to go and get Charles Linden's Facebook or whatever, and yeah. I'm just going to phone them up or um, get his book or whatever, mm. or contact me. Glass of nice Chardonnay and a sit down with Jones in the garden. You can Sounds help me perfect. do some weeding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good leveller. Um, but the challenges themselves have been pretty full on, haven't they? And have yeah. you got more planned in the pipeline? Not because the pub's completely taken over yeah. my life. Um, for now that uh, yes, yeah, so I did what I do, I did Kilimanjaro. And I just thought that was going to be like a little hike. Um, yeah, that was on a little hike. Did you get that, the altitude sickness? Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I mean, I did it. It's and funny because my yeah. husband does a lot of climbing and, you know, he's like a little billy goat. Yeah. But the guy that he does it with really suffers from altitude sickness. Yeah, he's nice. amazingly fit. But for whatever reason, some Often people get it, some people don't. people get it the worst. Um, it was like, do you remember when they did it for Comic Relief yeah. and Johnny Vegas like yeah. smoking 40 a day, <laughs> shot up there <laughs> and shot back down and everyone else was like, what? That's amazing. Um, but yeah, so, so that was, I mean, that's, that's lots of people have done that, but I've ridden my bicycle across Burma yeah. and I retraced uh, the old railroad. So, um, so that was, that was unbelievable. Then what else did I do? Then I rode my bicycle thousands of miles around France then I recreated a, a very famous commando raid called the Kokosha Heroes, um, which is where um, a group of very incredible guys um, rode or, or paddled a canoe down the Gironde and then bombed a load of German um, supply boats in Bordeaux um, and then escaped and invaded. Of all these your own ideas? Have you... I've kind of tagged along, so yeah. I've heard about something, mm. so I knew it was the 75th anniversary of the Cockershire Hero, so I went can I do it? And I was doing it, of course with lots of ex um, personnel mm. that are a lot fitter than I am, and I'm going, well there's your goal there's your goal <laughs> Got it. So, so I'd like to have something to, to, yeah. to, to kind of get my teeth stuck into, so my challenges were very much that, and and I just wanted to spend that amount of time just giving back, and mm. you know, so raised over a hundred thousand over the years. So that was brilliant, just on my little lonesome. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that was my kind of crazy year. And fits last a fiddle year. for all the fits challenges that the pub throws at you. <laughs> yeah. like, nothing's going to you downhill since then. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> And, and what about the main man in your life, little Indy? He's oh, six he's, years old now? Yeah, he's six. Seven in September. Gorgeous. My complete rock. Um, yeah, he's just such a dude. He's amazing. And, and, you know, when you have children, it's the first time where you actually go, oh, life makes sense now. Um, and it's not all about me. It's all about now my, everything that I do from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep is about trying to make your life better and okay and that can I be a good enough mum, you know, that that is just been the most amazing, mm. amazing thing ever. It's crazy, isn't it? It gives me goosebumps, you just saying that. But you mm. do, every waking thought is about mm. them. If you're not thinking directly about them, you're thinking about what can you do yeah. to make their lives yeah. as good as they possibly can be. Yeah. And I mean, look, I've no doubt that you do that and you succeed in that. 
Um, are you still on good terms with his dad? Like, yeah, is that, yeah. So, so that's yeah, he's here. He's just arrived. Is he? Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's he lives in in Uruguay, up a mountain, um, <laughs> completely brilliantly mad. Um, so yeah, he's he he pops into the UK Does every he? now and then, and oh, you know, comes down off the mountain. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> talking of Billy goats. Yeah, exactly. So no, he's he's great. So they were, you know, they saw each other last week, and um, and it's you know it's very unconventional, it's very weird, but but that was the way it was at that particular time, and and I think nowadays, kind of relationships and having children doesn't necessarily have to be the way that you know I thought they were or my grandparents thought that they should be. So it's um, you know it's unconventional, but it works. Well, but again, you know, if you're good parents to Indy, that's all that matters, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And, you know, if you're good terms with each other, that's probably better than most couples yeah. that are together. No, exactly. It's very true. <laughs> yeah. And, you, you know, you're setting a, a great example for him. Yeah. Um, and do you want more kids? Would you like him to have brothers <sighs> and sisters? Yeah, I would love, of course, but it's just a moment of, of, of time, isn't it? It's just getting stability. And, of course, you know, t- getting a bit old now, getting a bit oh, long in the tooth. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, so you, you just never know. You have no idea what mm. tomorrow will bring. But um, no, of course, I'd love to. I'm one of five. You know, I'm, I'm from a big family. Mm. And um, I think my brother's got six. My sister's got, got six yeah, kids. I think so, yeah. I love like it. I count, think so. I can't Maybe keep a few up. others he doesn't know about. Yeah, I'm probably. <laughs> Genghis Khan. <laughs> um, yes, I think every child in 30 years' time will have some gene of jack or something oh <laughs> <laughs> no it's a joke um, yeah, and then gem three yeah it's a joke don't kill me dude. Um, so gem three so you know yeah, we we're yeah. from well at least he's got lots of cousins yeah. to like hang out with you know he's, absolutely he's always gonna have a busy household isn't absolutely uh, but i do spot a bit of a sparkler on your left hand is yeah, that by no, chance that's, that's by chance oh yeah that's by chance and be. it's just but you are you're in a good relationship now yeah you? very yeah, yeah very tell, very it, tell us about that <laughs> just that it's all good that's great though it's all because good. you know yeah. I, I think what i know of you you're a romantic you believe in love oh god you yeah i've given it i've given it a good stab a few yeah. times yeah but that doesn't mean you've necessarily got it wrong it's just no you know you've i had fr- to kiss a, kiss a few frogs there you go there you yeah. go yeah um so how would you describe your approach to love and matters of the heart oh god i'd throw everything straight in um uh, absolutely and i think that's that's the horse going back to the horses going up to a fence you throw your heart over first and your body comes and the horse comes later that's what i do with everything i you know heart in and and nothing else i'm so focused on clearing that fence and and not refusing or not knocking it down and i think this can kind of translate into relationships a bit that that i come completely like blindsided and then and then once you're over and you've flicked poles left right and center then you go okay maybe (laughs) maybe i'll just take a pull on that one um but i think that could be something that's just very me is that i just dive into anything with with passion and love and want to try and make it work and and sometimes relationships don't work out like that but you know what if it doesn't phase you and there are no sort of lasting scars yeah no no grim legacy from it then that's okay isn't it i mean of course i'm not advocating jumping from one relationship to the next but (laughs) at least if you give it your all yeah and you come away 
pretty much unscathed because you seem still so positive about love. Oh, God, And yeah. that's what matters. Oh, absolutely. I think if you were to sort of say, well, I've, I've had my burnt. fingers burnt and that's no. it, I'm not going to no, revisit no, no, it, no, no, then no, that no. would be a problem. But never give up. Never, never, never give up because you have no idea what, what's going to happen. And I have so many good friends that have been together with the strongest relationship and then they've ended and then other ones that have been like craziest relationships and they're now the strongest relationships or people that have broken up and then they're never going to find someone mm -hmm. and then literally that sliding door moment happens um so never that's the one thing you can't ever give up on is love because it's the only universal thing that no one understands about and it's the thing that 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 makes us all human and to not be able to love is a really sad thing and, and not to give up on it because whether you love a dog or a hamster or a person or something we're all there to, to, to love a garden, a flower, a plant anything um, just to feel something just yeah. to feel, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's something that's very beautiful about the human race is that we can love and it's something that no one understands so when I ask you the question, is it better to have loved or lost or never loved at all? I think I know the answer. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny, isn't it? Because the, the work that, um, that I do, and I know I've introduced you to with Hope and Homes for Children, is yeah. that the one it's thing amazing. we always we ask children mm. is, is what, what is the one thing you want? And you, you know, some cynics might say, oh, they just want the newest trainers or the, you know, the best toy or whatever. They don't. They, they just want love. Something. They just want they love. Cuddle. They just want a family. They just want yeah. to be loved. And that is the single most important thing in life. And it sounds kind of <coughs> cliched and corny, but mm. it's so true. You've got to look into someone else's eyes and love them yeah. and, and watch them grow. Well, I did this amazing um, show, and it was called um, I Believe in Miracles. And it was What is a Miracle? So I went around the world in search of what a miracle was, like someone that is terminally ill with cancer and then the next day it's gone, um, to, to curing disease, to this, to that, to a number of things. Um, and I went to meet scientists and I went to meet shamans on the top of mountains. To, I mean, I just did everything and I met this amazing um, chap that took his son who was... Um, who was um, who was suffering very badly, and he went on this amazing journey. And anyway, he came back, and I was talking to Rupert, um, and it's an amazing book called The Horse Boy. Um, and he said, after this huge journey of taking his son that suffered from autism, terrible autism, to the middle of to meet the shaman in the middle of Mongolia, um, and brought him back, and sat there with him, and I said, right, so what happened to your son? Was the, we would say that there's a miracle and I said what is it and he just went Jodie it's love it's love that 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 can change things it's it's it, it was an amazing kind of journey that I went on but oh, was this for television this was for television so can called we I, see this yeah it's called I this? Believe in Miracles oh, so where BBC3 I'd love to see yeah that. it's really 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 awesome and I've learnt a lot a lot from that so when did that go out say about probably four or five years ago wow um, what an incredible series to do love but all down to love um and meeting all those people so so never ever give up on that ever that's the single thing you take away from this podcast yeah. is this, do not give up on yeah. love keep loving bye jody kip yeah i love that get a good kicking from time to time but keep loving <laughs> Can I say that? What makes us tougher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, another question that I always ask 
people is what is the one thing that keeps you awake at night? Is there something that troubles you, even now, with all the experience I mean, that you've yeah. had? Always. It, you know, if I've got a big thing to do the next day, I won't be able to sleep if I've got to do an interview, if yeah. I've got to be live on TV. I'm sure you've probably had many sleepless nights, even though you're such a pro, I don't know. Um, anything like that, I'll, I'll, mm. I'll be thinking, just because I think I'm a certain amount of perfectionist, so I want to get yeah. it right. So it's not traumatizing not being able to sleep. It's just that my brain, and I'm, I'm biting at the kind of bit, and I want to get going. Um, the usual things, you yeah. know, we've got to do this, the mortgage is going to be paid, is the pub going to do that, is the, you know, is this going to happen, what am I going to put on the dish next week, am I going to put on the menu, I mean, um, so you're a thinker, and you, you plough through that, did you ever write it down, because oh, I often find just having a pad by the side of the bed does yeah. help, yeah. and even in the middle of the night, I, I won't see what I'm writing, but, but I'll just scribble it. a line, I should do and it. then it's out of my head, and it's onto a page, my dad does that, but the thing is, I just, yeah, I, I'm terrible, and I have about 57,000 notebooks and I have in each one I have a different kind of to-do list and then a thing and, a blah, and they never get done I'm to do list please refer to page 78 of, of the, the other list. of the other yeah. to-do list in the other book the green book and then the green book is like can you go to the pink book and then I'm like yeah not very organized but but uh, yeah nighttime definitely is is where I kind of come to life I'm a night Completely, so, completely get yeah. that. It's funny how your brain just suddenly starts kicking. But yeah. maybe during the day you're so busy you don't have time to, to think. think. So you're actually just getting on with all the jobs in hand. Compartmentalising at night, going, mm. right, let's put that in that folder or dream. And do you dream Big a lot? Dreamer. Do you? Yeah. Do you remember your dreams? Yes, yes. And then a lot of the time now, and I think the older I'm getting, and the kind of definitely after children or indeed child. I think I've done something or I've said something, but I've actually dreamt it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, oh, my God, they're so real and yeah. actually quite boring dreams that yeah. you'll have. So it could be something really simple like day. putting, you yeah. know, the petrol in the car or yeah. something. And then I'll get into the car and I'll, t you know, and I'll say, hang on, I, I put petrol in the car. Yeah, no. But I'll have dreamt that I did that and I yeah. won't have actually done that. No, I've Oh my god, you get that as well. Yeah, it's really annoying. So there's a podcast you need to listen to. <laughs> Joe Rogan's done this podcast with a oh, sleep really? specialist. It will blow your mind. Okay. And actually, the one thing it has done to me, because I am a terrible sleeper, yeah. and Willow is 21 months now, and she sleeps really badly. So I'm up yeah. probably five, six times a night with her. Still? Still. <gasps> oh um, my god. I'm working on it, I'm working on it. I, mean, I don't know I'm, how you're still functioning. Well, if you listen to this Joe Rogan podcast, you will actually say... Um, it's okay. No, it's anything but okay. <laughs> it's really, really bad. You have to sleep. You seven have hours. to sleep. It's yeah. so bad for you to get less than seven or eight hours a night. No, I know. And I probably average five or six. It's how your brain maximum six, and they're broken. Sometimes four. Yeah, and it's, and it's all, all broken. broken. Yeah. So listen to that podcast, and anyone listening, listen to that podcast. Yes, I mean, it will, it will. It blew my tiny mind anyway. Okay. About just how important sleep is. Yeah. On that note, we should probably um, have a hot chocolate and go to bed, shouldn't yeah. we? It's getting dark. <laughs> it's getting dark. <laughs> oh, Jodie, I've loved our chat. Uh, one thing I wanted to just ask you before we yeah. go is, um, I always want to know what the one sort of defining moment in someone's life is. It seems to me like you've had loads, yeah. and you've packed a hell of a lot in. You're not even forty. You've packed so much in yeah. to your time. Um, probably because you did start so young, but also you've had a lot of life lessons along the way. Huge. What? Are there any 
sort of points that you can say that that was a moment, that was my sliding doors moment, that was my defining moment. Was it giving up modelling, do you think? Was it I don't know. having I think, a baby? I think it was definitely indie. I think from that moment when you give birth and there's that mad realisation where you have... Because when I, I think when I was pregnant, I didn't... I was so active and I felt so good um, that I didn't really know I was pregnant. And then next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I've got this baby. And it's just... It's a moment that sorted me personally out, uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually, everything. Um, and it's what I always needed and I always yearned for. And um, it's definitely what, what, what my my path you know what I needed to happen um, and feel very lucky and very blessed that, that Indy came into my life um, and was very much uh, a massive game changer and yeah definitely here is a toast to little Indy <laughs> little bingles cheers, cheers, cheers. Jody, thank you so much lovely to see you Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.